Thanks for tuning in to the Vocal Vault podcast. I'm your host, Dakota Matthew, and we have a very special guest with us for our inaugural episode. Someone that is uh, very special to me and someone that I've had the privilege of watching in the vocal music world my entire life, uh, my dad. So, hey, dad, how's it going? Hey, Dakota, it's going good. So uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are, what your name is, where you teach, how long you've been there, just kind of so our listeners can get a little bit of background of who you are. Sure thing. Uh, my name is Kit Matthew. I am the vocal music director at Harrisonville High School in Harrisonville, Missouri. It's a bedroom community in the Kansas City metropolitan area, so we're not exactly suburban. Uh, a little more rural. Uh, the high school has, oh, about 200 students per class. So we've got about 800 at the high school, 9 through 12. I'll be beginning my 23rd year at Harrisonville High School and my 27th year of teaching uh, vocal music uh, at all levels. I also have uh, another job I've had for most of those years uh, at a local church here as the uh, uh, director of music for that church. And I I, uh, head up a church choir. And in the time I've been there, we've also started a more contemporary praise band and and uh, also oh, yeah. uh, head up head up technology. Awesome. So that's what I do. For those of you that don't know, I went to high school in Harrisonville, and he uh, got to be my choir teacher there, and I was also part of the uh, worship band there at the church. So that was kind of cool. Um, it so was kinda, very cool. Yeah. Let's kind of kick it off here a little bit. Um, let's back it up. How did you get into the vocal music scene? Um, what was your background yeah. in music, and how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, well, we we have, I say we, you and I have a very musical family. Uh, there's a lot of music in our in our past um, and, of course, in our current as well. Uh, so my mother uh, is a, was a, a uh, recreational musician, uh, played uh, viola in the local community orchestra in the small town in Winfield, Kansas, that I grew up in. Uh, she was also a member, a devout member of the church choir there. Uh, and uh, was just, you know, musical that way, played a little guitar, a little piano, but just just had a passion for making music. She was a, a teacher as well, but not a music teacher. She taught elementary grades and was a reading specialist. Um, my my father, your your grandfather, of course, uh, was a professor of music at George Southern University in his career, where he was. Uh, is what he did for the university and directed uh, their uh, select chamber style choir for many years. Uh, eventually, the, for about the last 10 years or so of his career, he was the department chairman at Georgia Southern. So, uh, an absolute an administrator legend. role. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty fun. So, mu- music on that side as well. Uh, and then his mother, or my grandmother, your great grandmother, uh, was also a music educator in her career. She was elementary. Uh, music teacher in, uh, in uh, West Central Illinois, in a little town called Morrison, a little bitty town uh, called Morrison, Illinois. And she was an elementary music teacher there for 30 some years and also a very active church organist. So we have lots of music education in our family. And in fact, you carry the torch on for our family makes four generations on the Matthew side of music educators. Now, you asked about how I got in to music education, I didn't know, I actually didn't even know that my that my grandmother was a music educator until many years later. 
And it didn't even cross my mind while I was in high school that my dad was as, as uh, you know, I grew up and my, my parents, your grandparents were divorced. So I really only saw my dad in the summers and on holidays and things like that. So it just didn't really even dawn on me. I got into music because I grew up playing music. Mom got me started playing piano and violin at about seven years old. And so I was primarily an instrumentalist growing up. I played saxophone for a little while as well. Uh, and then in middle school, we had to choose. So I stuck with the uh, violin. Uh, piano lessons sort of tapered off as well. And saxophone had to go away because I hadn't been playing it very long anyway. So mm -hmm. I stuck with the violin through middle school. And then in high school, I was still in the orchestra. Uh, but some of my friend group that I hung around with uh, were all in choir. Uh, and uh, one of my good friends named Brady encouraged me come audition for the show choir there and in Winfield the show choir was called Viking Voices uh it's it would be really funny to watch an old video of Viking Voices these days uh <laughs> compared to where show choir has come now but sure. back then we were we could we, we thought we were pretty good uh and we were in some respects but I mean uh, just the level wasn't there uh as as show choirs developed over the decades since I was in high school but at any rate, so he encouraged me to come audition because I had that musical background. I could read music already, uh, which was huge. As you know, as a music educator, if you get a couple of good music readers in your choirs, you're set uh, for that, that oh, yes. part. You just need just one. If you need to just get one person that can read music really well. So the choir director uh, took that opportunity, even though I'd never been in choir. I'd sung at church. I'd been in church choirs and like kids choirs and things, but never really been in choir. Um, she took that chance, and, and Betty Mullet is is her name, and she is an awesome person. And still, I'm a big fan of hers to this day, even though she's long awesome. retired. Seems like that's uh, how I got I into have, it. Yeah, seems like you and I have some pretty similar avenues into vocal music. Uh, we both started as in, instrumentalists at a young age. I'm a mm -hmm. I'm a drummer and got into drum lessons at age seven, and that's really where I fell in love with music and playing music and being involved in the music scene, playing for, you know, the show choirs at the high school when I was in fifth grade, all the way up and playing in church all the same time. It's not till I really got through high school and got towards senior year that I decided to, you know, pursue choir as a, as a career and as a full-time job as well. So it's kind of interesting how those timelines match up. Um, and yeah. I, you know, yeah. I think I just didn't know what else I was going to do in high school, you know, I was as a, far as yeah. after high school, I had no idea. So I just I was, decided to major in music. Yep. I was the exact same way. And I got to see you, um, you know, manage music education from a professional and personal perspective. Um, and, and saw that, uh, you know, felt that that, I don't know, felt that that schedule was something that I could take on and, and feel like have a happy life with. So, um, moving on to the next one, um, besides teaching choir, you're also involved in some other musical ensembles, particularly vocal music ensembles. Um, I won't spoil anything, but tell us a little bit about those and, uh, kind of how they, how you got into those scenes. Sure. Well, I mentioned the church job and, and, and leading the church and be able to sing there is one of my major performance outlets. Cause I still like to sing and, and be active in that. And, and the band was fun because that encouraged me to improve my guitar playing, which isn't great, but it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, other than that, the main vocal music I still participate in is a, I'm in a barbershop quartet. So that mm. uh, the quartet's name currently is Tornado Alley. Uh, we've been in that quartet for a long time. I don't see it going anywhere. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, but yeah, um, I sing the high tenor part. So those people that are unfamiliar with barbershop quartets, there's, the bass, which is the low notes, the baritone sings kind of middle low notes, 
the lead part, which is the third part from the bottom, uh, sings the melody, and then the high tenor uh, sings in a head voice or falsetto sometimes, but mostly a head voice uh, and sings kind of high. Um, not like pop singer high, though. It's different, but still sings <laughs> the high part, the high harmony part, as as uh, Michael Scott likes to call it in the office, the high harmony part. So anyway, um, I really enjoy singing the barbershop music in the, you know, honestly, as I look back through time, I don't even know it got started in college. Uh, but specifically, I don't know. I, I think the first quartet, well, I know the first quartet I was in was a quartet of college buddies. We called ourselves the Tetratones, uh, okay. which I thought was extremely clever. That was the name I came up with. I thought it was a great name, Tetra meaning four and, and four parts. And so anyway, um, we only sang a couple of songs and then went our own ways. It just it wasn't going to last a long time, but it was fun. I don't know if we were any good or not. I don't remember. And I don't have any recordings, but. <laughs> I'd sung in a lot of acapella groups in college too. We'd pick up an acapella group and, and sing a song or uh, do sure. our best attempt at a boys to men song or something like that back in those days as well. But those were just pick up groups and sing for one concert or one show or something and then, and then move on. But singing acapella was always something we did even before pitch perfect, uh, you know, a long time ago, right. Pitch perfect blew it up into we were all into that acapella scene in college. Uh, way back in the early 90s. So anyway, that's that's how it got started. And barbershop's just kind of the natural progression because it's the most organized acapella sure. stuff out there for, for adults. You start to look a little creepy when you're a 35 or 40-year-old ah. man trying to hit the college acapella scene. Um, you so, you know, barbershop is is definitely the way to go. And barbershop has opened its doors um, to accepting lots of different kinds of music besides just the barbershop style. So you can do all kinds of things. Yeah. And so it's been a big, big blast for me anyway. Sure. I mean, your quartet's been fairly successful just competing in a reach at regional competition in the Midwest. Uh, I could be speaking wrong, but the Midwest um, division of the Barbershop Harmony Society or Central States yeah. District, I think is what it's called. Um, yeah. You Central guys just State went and competed. Yeah. You guys just went and competed and did fairly well. Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've done better than we did this last time, but I mean, we were coming off COVID and, Sure. And uh, a couple of our members don't sing in public very often. And so they get really nervous when we were competing more regularly. We were, we were doing pretty good. We were a top five quartet in the district. And yeah. this last time we had a couple of problems that we did not compete well, but that happens, you know, that that's, that's the nature of competition. And while you do it, you get up there and if your lead gets a frog in his throat half right before the end of a song and misses a key change, then, uh, you know, you're going to be done that day, but uh, that's right. Uh, it just happens. And so we're, we're hoping to bounce back here in October when we compete again at the central states, uh, central states district uh, competition in October. Uh, and, uh, and we've been working towards that, but we also just love singing together and having fun and, and singing at ice cream socials or, you know, uh, town square events and, and just singing around. We do uh, more of that than really anything. And just, uh, singing to church or, or whatever. Now we're kind of spread out, so our quartet can't get together get together all that often. But um, we'll get together as often as we can. And and the three of us went to high school together in Southern Kansas, and now live up here in Kansas City. And the other guy's still awesome. down there. Yeah, but is it was a, a college friend of one of us, friends of all of us. So we've been waiting for a long time to sing in this quartet. We've been together for a long time now, but. It's it's a friendship as much as it is about competing. So yeah, it's, it's a community. Yeah, it's a community. Yep. You, that's one of the greatest things about vocal music. I feel like is you create you create a bunch of communities and get to be a part of something 
you know, bigger than yourself. Um, yeah. You know, on the on the lines of community and things like that, um, you know, of all of the vocal music mediums and, and things that you participate in, whether that be teaching choir or barbershop or church or whatever it is, you know, what do you feel like is your favorite uh, to participate in and which one do you connect to the most? Well, I mean, the, I think that... W- what I look forward to, I mean, don't ask me the same question on a Monday morning when I get out of bed, but uh, <laughs> I, I do love, I, I love most of all, I think, uh, the day-to-day choral, you know, choir rehearsal, the choir classes, you know, uh-huh. the, the building, the, the working in the classroom, the concerts are a lot of fun and show choir competitions are a lot of fun. You know, they're, they're all exciting and, and all, but uh, you know, the relationships you build with the kids on a day-to-day basis right. when you're standing in front of them and, and uh, working with them and, and seeing the growth over the course of a year. And you kind of start over every year and, and uh, do it all again, you know. Uh, Absolutely. But that, that is what I, you know, I really, I, I don't think I'd be doing it 23 years later if I didn't love it. I see so many teachers burning out after four or five or six years and going and doing something else. And here I am, you know, 27 years really later, still still doing it with a, a uh, handful of years left to go before I sure. decide if I want to do something else or just keep going. So, well, I mean, we'll and I think there's, there's something to be said as well about you being at the high school for 23 years. I mean, this, this program has become something that you've built um, as, as a single director in the school. It's uh it's kind of become your baby is something that's hard to let go of and something that you take a lot of pride in. So, um, you know, I can speak firsthand and being a part of that program that, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's done well. It's something that's been done right. And uh, I think that's where the longevity comes in a lot of the time as well as when you, when you put in a lot of effort into that kind of thing and you, and you do it with quality um, it sustains itself in a way too. So I, I totally see where you're there um, yeah. in your, yeah, it's, in, it's, your uh, yeah. in your experiences as uh, you know, in vocal music, do you have a favorite performance that you've been a part of as either a director or a performer um, throughout, throughout your years of being involved in vocal music? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't know that I really, really have, you know, the, uh, the performances are all different and quite frankly, after a while begin to kind of run into each other. It's, it's harder and harder as more and more former students are growing up and their kids are coming to school and, Sure. And, uh, all those sorts of things. It's pretty hard to keep uh, keep all those concerts and, and all those years and shows and everything mm-hmm. straight. I really enjoy, uh, you know, at the high school, most vocal music directors are involved with their musicals. And um, I've enjoyed working with different drama teachers over the years. Uh, there haven't been that many, but there's been a few. And, and then just some of the shows that we've worked on that have been really, really good. I remember a particular production of the wizard of oz we had several <laughs> years ago that was that uh, featured a certain cowardly lion that uh, uh, was a very successful performance um i've enjoyed working with the all-state show choir over the years there's been some really remarkable mm. things happened there but uh you know I, I can't i can't tell you honestly that one performance stands out uh at me uh over those years though not that one sure. particular concert that i just felt like was perfect or or any of that. Um, just, yeah, I feel like everything. I feel, I feel like in my experience, anyways, a lot of my performances 
serve serve me in a different way within the you know the season that I'm in in life or when I was in college mm-hmm. I got to experience some really awesome choirs to sing in um, through the university and then I was in an acapella group as well and I felt like all of those served me in different ways when I was in different seasons of of my college time growing up and I can think back to some of my middle schoolers performances over the past year that I, you know I was really proud of their product and um I, it, it is hard to, to pick just one. I wasn't sure if you had one that stood out to you. Um, so for our last, you know, little question here, I think it's interesting for all of our listeners to see and hear your story and how everything's, how vocal music has impacted you. But, um, you know, what would you say is the most profound idea or something that you've learned through your 20 plus years of experience in vocal music. Do you have any wisdom to impart on us as, as the listeners or um, any profound idea that you have? Uh, Well, I think there's, there's two things that have changed the most over the years. Uh, The first thing is uh, investing in stronger relationships with the kids. And this is going to be kind of a, of a weird thing, but when I was in how to be a high school choir director in college, that wasn't really the name of the course, but a bunch of courses that revolved around that. It was pounded in our heads, be careful about making relationships, you know, and all these things that could lead to inappropriate or potentially inappropriate situations. As a young male, uh, yeah, I'm told I used to be good looking, you know, back in the day. Uh, (laughs) As a young male teacher, you were told to be very, very careful about relationship building uh, mm-hmm. that could lead to, to problems in the high school classroom, especially. And so I really took that to heart and spent a, um, most of my career uh, being more than careful, but being really afraid of that. And I think early on that, um, that distanced me from the classes, the kids, I think I could have built stronger relationships and, and therefore stronger choirs um, with with the ability to, to, to be a little bit more vulnerable with the kids. Um, you know, I, I tried to be perfect. I tried to be whatever I tried to be different times, but through the years, but I, once I've learned, you just, you just gotta be yourself and uh, you know, mm-hmm. you're not, don't try to, don't try to be perfect. <laughs> um, that sure. was the, the thing I've learned the most when it comes to that. And then just be smart as far as, you know, getting into, uh, uncertain positions and whatnot. You just have to be smart and, and uh, do the things that you've learned in, in classes and whatnot. Just be smart about it, but don't let that uh, close you off from from building relationships and being open and honest. Uh, the other thing I've <clears throat> discovered over the years that is really important, um, and it's not something I didn't know, but just something I didn't know how important it was to to really invest um your kids in like student leadership uh in Mm. taking taking ownership of the product that they're making and when they um when they have more to do with the building like for example if you have students that can play parts running sectionals even at the high school level uh you know there's supervision concerns it just depends on how you're built up but um student leadership uh that is involved in real decisions maybe like where the show choir is going to travel um, helping in show building um, and not just for some, you know, uh, local only concert, but, but perhaps even in a competition set, but investing those kids uh, in real decision-making in a program 
um, were there, you know, whereas before when I started teaching, I was making all the decisions. Uh, sure. And I was telling them what we were going to do instead of, you know, opening it up and, and uh, finding balance between being indecisive and unprepared and allowing them um, to help chart the course of the choir. Mm. Those are the two things that I've probably learned uh, are more valuable. Uh, build authentic relationships with kids, be vulnerable, um, and then really uh, build a, a student leadership team uh, for a group that is uh, uh, authentically invested in the ensemble, that's making real decisions and making real difference and not sure. just, you know, to, to have a name as the president or a dance captain if it's a show choir or a section leader or whatever, have them have real, real authority in the class. Yeah, I mean, giving students autonomy in their, in their learning and some ownership over that is, is really something that I try and do every day. And um, I think you did a great job when I was in high school as well. And uh, I see you do that all the time. So, well, dad, this has been a, a, a absolute joy of mine to be able to, you know, just chat all things choir and vocal music and everything like that with you. Um, for those of you listening, tune in next week for our next special guest. Um, find a link in the description below. I'm going to post um, one of the performances from my dad and his choirs in Harrisonville, um, just to give you a little bit of context as to the things and the products that he produces there. It's really high quality stuff. Um, so look forward, tune in next week. And thanks so much for listening. See you next time. One, two, three.